In a world of downloadable streaming singles, our hope with this podcast is to look a little deeper at what influences musicians and see the impact an album, as opposed to a single, can have on an artist's work. Welcome to The Sound Effect. say our guest today was someone who uh i know i've been looking forward to trying to get on this show yep. uh and uh that's uh, excited to have him on and uh, an interesting choice by our, our guest uh shad today shocking. Uh, in which he picked sh- yeah shocking you thought you thought it was i'm shocking? just like when you when you when he first said it uh, you told me and i'm like oh oh okay and then i listened to it and i'm like hmm all right and then you get it, you get where yeah, you, you get I, his point of view. So, onward. yeah, I think there's something there. So the record is uh, Miss Lauren Hill. But wait, wait, not, people of the internet, yes, not the Lauren Hill album you maybe expected it to be. It was not the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, but the uh, the follow up, the 2002 MTV Unplugged number 2.0. And there's which... so many things in that statement, like. A follow-up <laughs> to this Grammy Award-winning multi-platinum genre, yeah, genre-defining album. Yeah, is an MTV Unplugged album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's like just the the words to some people. Like I even now hear and think MTV Unplugged, and I'm like, ugh. Here we go. Yeah, Eric Clapton playing Slow Layla. It is interesting, though, right? Like you think back to that time, those were that was a big series, right? I mean, between like you said, the Eric Clapton album, the Nirvana record, yeah. uh, that that was a long, that was a long running and super popular uh, series of records that really kind of took artists from being uh, this like unattainable star and big and bold to uh that sort of coffee house vibe that right. i think they were trying to go for and i think for a lot of musicians uh i was never a fan of the series necessarily no. but i think for a lot of musicians it gave them the opportunity to show kind of some of their chops and some of uh in, in a more kind of intimate form and for those in canada we kind of had the same thing with uh, much music's intimate and interactive right so we we kind of tried to piggyback that as much music yeah. did with and, MTV, right? Yeah, and a couple things there. I'd say the intimate and interactive was a little cooler, and I'm not being biased just because I'm Canadian. It's just like it was intimate and interactive in that, no, the band would still come in, plug in, play loud. It was just your they were doing it in front of 30 people, 
and then they'd sit and they'd talk. So right. it, it was a totally, it was a different format, right? That's and, true. That is true. Uh, you know, I think it started out that way. And then I think a lot of bands just said, no, I want to come in and I still want to play. I still want to rock out. The MTV side of it, a lot of bands, this was, you know, there's that ethos that like every great rock song sounds great the way it's recorded, but you can also play it on a just an acoustic guitar and it'll sound amazing, mm-hmm. right? Which I don't always agree with. There's some Nine Inch Nails songs I think wouldn't sound great with an acoustic guitar, but hey, that's just me. But well, our, our album today kind of definitely took it in a different direction. Yeah, for sure. And um, well, and, and to sort of touch on what you were saying there, it, we've talked a lot about like 1989 as that definitive year and this weird sort of switch in music before. Right. And this, the Unplugged series starts like literally November 1989. So right at the end of 1989, just as that new decade that we've certainly talked about a lot on this show is beginning. I think you have a... a, a it's interesting that this 1989 uh, MTV Unplugged hits the air, and it really is a bridge between two eras, right? You have those yeah. classic bands, the, you know, Page and Plant, like you said, the Eagles, Tony Bennett, but then you also have, you know, the 10,000 Maniacs, Nirvana, Mariah Carey, Alicia Keys. Uh, so you really have a divergent mix of musicians. But it really is a fundamentally, for me anyways, a very 90s thing. I know it stayed going, apparently, but but it, it's a night as far as I'm concerned, it's a 90s phenomenon and nothing nothing else, right? Um yeah, so with Lauren Hill, she does this this massive album, uh, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, and then kind of has that four years there. Like she's had her success with the Fugees. She now has gone out and done um, this solo album, which has been massive. She is gotta be by nineteen by by the millennial by the change changing like by two thousand two two thousand one. Um, well, by two thousand one when it's recorded, she's gotta be one of the biggest stars in the world at the time. Oh yeah, like even if you're not a fan of that genre or fan of hip hop mm-hmm. or anything, you. You knew, you knew who the Fugees were, and you knew that album, and you knew uh, Lauren Hill. Um, yeah, like just exploded and mad props. Like she did re- redefine that genre, and especially for uh, women too, right? Like hip hop, not always well, friendly to women. That's right. That's right. So, what did you what did you think of her? Like, were you a fan, Dave? Or not were you. I, you know, I, I never sought out the Fugees or Miss Lauren Hill. Uh the album you didn't even, have even, to. I know. Like it was it was everywhere. <laughs> so like yeah. I knew a couple songs and and that was it. And you know, I read the press and I got it that yeah, these these artists, these were true artists and groundbreaking. And that was it. But it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. Uh that's that style, that that music and you know, uh so I knew the name. I know the press. I know, uh, you know, for the most part, what was going on. But I could, I could hum you a couple tunes. That was about it. And uh, yeah. So then to so to have our album today not even be the ones I was familiar with, and uh, to sit down and listen to 
basically someone for a couple hours pour their heart out with brand new music that really no one had ever heard before, right? Yeah, that's the interesting thing, right? Like, she, so for me, uh, I I knew Lauren Hill, and I actually, as much as I didn't have her albums, I remember thinking the Fugees were quite good. I loved their version of um, uh, of Killing Me Softly. I th- I thought they really kind of had a cool vibe to them. It was kind of laid back and soulful. Uh, and then Miss Education of Lauren Hill. Uh, I just remember the critics freaking out about that right. album, yeah. and I thought man, I got, I got to hear this. And that kind of Neo soul thing was coming through at the time. And I was like, yeah, I get why this is good. It, you know, at the time for me, it wasn't where I was at musically, but I completely Same. understood yeah. why this was a good album and why everyone was talking about it. Like completely understood that. Yeah. So I'm getting, um, so I'm getting, we both had respect for the artists. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. just wasn't, just wasn't something we'd be putting on in the car and, and driving. 100%. Yeah. And then this album, this album didn't even come up my radar. I think partially because I probably flopped off MTV Unplugged. I wasn't a fan of the series, so I didn't really care too much about it. Yeah. Uh, so I probably just saw it as a as a marketing thing uh, until Shad said, "Hey, this is my album. We're gonna pick it." And I went, "Okay, let's give it a listen." And yeah, it's um, it's an interesting record. It really is. Like I'm. I'm really glad when these records come up because I don't know if I would have ever listened to this record. And actually, oh, absolutely. I, I, I do. No. Yeah. I would have never listened to this record. Nope. So to nope. have Shad recommend it to us uh, was pretty cool because I did have to sit down and listen. And it's probably the only record we've done so far that I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Uh, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm going to hear something weird. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's just look at a couple of things here first. So this this album's recorded um, July twenty first, two thousand one, um, and Lauren Hill, big one of the bigger stars in the world, decides I want to do an MTV Unplugged, and it's just going to be me playing guitar and singing. Except Lauren Hill had just learned how to play guitar, um, right? And that. That's shocking. And that was the thing reading about this record. There's so much shocking stuff. The fact that she just decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to go on the biggest music series in the world uh, and play guitar, even though I've just kind of learned how to do it. Um, The night, I think it was the night before they recorded, she like jams all night uh, with some people and like kind of loses her voice. Uh, And she's a new mother. to boot so i'm sure her voice was kind of dealing with some stuff there um as we also come to appreciate later she was dealing with some other uh kind of stuff going on in her life at that point yeah so i think from a musical standpoint there's a whole lot of things here that i think you know are the reasons why it was kind of attacked by the critics i mean other than like q magazine everyone else kind of didn't like this record actually there's no kind of about it they didn't like the record uh at all so and i think that came down to like you know notes not being hit uh some guitar playing that at time kind of sounds a little sloppy because she has just learned this instrument and i think a lot of critics also didn't like 
all the talk and the banter um, that kind of happens on the record. But I'm going to hold off on talking about that because I think there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Almost as much as there is the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think from a music standpoint, I can absolutely see why critics were not fond of it. Yeah, um, and, 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 I can, and I think I think it's an album that ne- you need to be removed from for a decade mm-hmm. or two, right? And or have right. or have two middle aged white guys listen to it twenty years later, and <laughs> and uh, and I can because I can see it. I'm like, okay, so I'm listening to it, and it's funny. The, the one of the things that came to me when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, her her guitar style sounds like tra- something Tracy Chapman might do. It's mm-hmm. that, it's Agreed. that, you know, every, yep. almost every song is like that. So I'm just, so about three songs in and musically I'm out. I'm like, okay, right. this, this is, this is boring to me. And it's worth pointing out. It, it's a long record. Very long record. Like it, yeah. 106 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, and now again, it's a live show and there's lots of interludes that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, yes. but. But it's a long slog, so that repetition can become a bit. It's a lot. A bit monotonous, right? For yeah. Sure. Now, luckily, you can these days just kind of skip it and and get to the. What I liked about the whole thing was like the juicy parts, the between song banter, a couple of the raps she did while playing guitar, and I'm like, well, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, I agree. You know, your yeah. your rhyming is is awesome and you're playing guitar to boot and you just learned how to play that instrument so kudos things like that were cool it was you know i i I got my toe tapping a couple times but uh yeah it was the between song banter the the message Mm -hmm. i would say uh of what she was just trying to get out yeah, there's now I agree with you completely about the hip hop. When she starts to fly into some of those flows, uh, it, it's uh, I don't know if there's anyone better, like from from a female MC standpoint. Like, I mean, she For just sure. is is just it's flow is the only way to describe it. I mean, she just gets into this beautiful rhythm uh, that I I don't know about. I've it's very few others I've seen do it. So and I and I love that. Uh, and again, uh, there's lots of songs here I, I really quite liked on the record um, that, again, I think as a song I could, I really enjoyed. But I'm with you. I think the meat of the record is the stuff that probably the record company wanted to keep off the record, which is all the banter between. Oh, for sure. Um, that sometimes goes on for a long time. Uh, like there's, there's a long like... time. Interlude number five is 12 minutes long. <laughs> Like it's 12 minutes long. Uh, But even like right from the very start, like you almost just think of a live show as starting with just let's get right into the song. And she starts off with this almost like apologizing to the crowd and saying, you're here to expect to see one thing and you're kind of going to get the other. You know, it's real interesting because I used to, I used to be a performer, and I, I really don't consider myself a performer so much anymore. I'm really just, you know, I'm, I'm sharing, you know, more or less the music that I've been given. But uh, if I stop, if I start, if I, you know, feel like saying baby, baby, baby for 18 bars or whatever, you know, I, I just, I do that. But, um, all right, so you guys are cool? Okay, I'm talking to people in my head, too. <laughs> 
ชอบอะไรตัว This is warm up a little bit. Um, I might decide to do this with songs. I might decide to not end the song. I might decide to just keep repeating the ending for a minute or two. Yeah. And then she does it. <laughs> like I'm just that to me is mesmerizing. That she just kind of does this by her own rules. Like this is what I need to do right now. And I get the fact that you're here because of the Fugees, and you get I get the fact that you're here because I have this massive album. But you're not going to get that tonight. <laughs> right. Sorry. Uh, what? Like, yeah. And that's and that's to me that's rock and roll. That's yeah. a rock and roll thing to do and gutsy, like, and from the Go, heart. Yeah. And hey, our favorite word, authentic. Authentic, right? Yeah. And we've again said, I think we've said it in a ton of episodes as well. We keep coming back to these albums that record company execs must have hey. not known what to do with, right? Well, <laughs> like, I, I could see, I, you know, there's, there's just, I can just envision like the suits would be there that night to watch this. And about an hour in or a half hour in, they'd be like getting up and leaving. They're like, that's it. We're not selling this. This is Yeah, because she does. You know, you talk about like, I remember wearing in the early 1990s, these SS t-shirts that said corporate rock still sucks. Um, and, you know, hearing the legendary stories of like lowest of the low, uh, pretty much telling the rock industry to screw off. Um, and then you have Lauren Hill just does it and puts it out on an album. Like, I mean, she really is attacking what it means to be a pop star in the late nineties, attacking her very essence or, or her, not her essence, her very existence as a pop star at this time. Like she really is just saying, you think, you know me, you think this is who I am, uh, but you've been kind of fooled and I've been fooled. And, Oh yeah. And then, I mean, and it's, it's this amazing moment of pure honesty with an audience and and there's points here where I don't know if the audience know what to do. If you listen to the audience reaction, it's not like a lot of other live albums. Like they don't know whether they're part of some social experiment or like you can see that you can hear this like faint. Yeah. Uh, I th- what am I supposed to applaud to that? That I'm kind of being no, nope, not there. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and I love that when artists do it. I, I talk a lot about how the second train spotting movie was great because it made fun of me for going to see the train spotting movie. Um, and there's a bit of that here. There's a bit of irony in her playing the show on MTV unplugged in which she essentially questions Everything. the whole, yeah, her whole pedigree as a, as a rock star and why, why everyone's there to kind of see her or take part in this. Right. Yeah, and it's, she, and she brings that like, you know, this is, this is me. This is real. Like my voice is cracking. You know, yes, that's, that's right. Sometimes, sometimes I don't get, I don't roll out of bed looking perfect like I do mm-hmm. in the pictures. Like this is real. So I think, yeah, she just wanted to bring a little reality. And I think it was by the sounds of it, by things she said, it, it was as much for her as it was for the audience. Maybe more. Yeah, it was absolutely. probably more for absolutely. her. And, you know, like what's going through her head at this point? It's just like, maybe if I can, if I can just get through this. This will be amazing. Whatever I say, like, yeah, the guitar playing is boring. You know, some of the songs, blah, blah, blah. She got through this set and set her piece 
You know, it's not like she started and and got a half hour in and went, ah, you know what, fuck this, I'm out of here. You know, she did her full set. And uh, at the end of it, like, if I was in the audience, I probably would have been loving this because uh, I'd be like this. Like, it's someone speaking the truth and... It's, I I would be I would have gone there as not a fan of Lauren Hill and maybe have known one or two songs, uh, like be like oh do you think she's gonna do Killing Me Softly, you know, <laughs> so right. but I would everyone else would have been just as lost as I was, and yeah you're so everybody's on the same footing, you know what I mean? There's no super mm-hmm. fan going there. Oh oh my God she broke out. I can't believe she did that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that deep track from the sing- the second single. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and it's you're you're absolutely right and I think that surprise like uh, uh, when I first heard it I couldn't help but think about um uh, the first time I saw Julie Doran play and during that show I always remember that she started the song and she messed up the start of the song and then she stopped the song and apologized to the crowd and the crowd clapped. And I wasn't used to that. I was used to seeing rock bands play and put on the bravado and for her to do it, I just thought this is lovely. And it was this moment of honesty where she giggled and she felt bad Yeah. and then she was embarrassed. And I was like, and the crowd cheered for that. And I was like, that's beautiful. And I always brought back to that and when i was listening to this i thought it reminded me of that authenticity between her and the audience together it's setting people up for something that probably pearl jam and eddie vetter tried to do 10 years prior they tried to show everybody this this rock and roll trappings are stupid you know it's fake it's not authentic yet they fell into them then but she came to this is like no none of this is real and she stuck by that Right. Yeah, she like disappears. She after disappears this, right? after like, this. So, it's uh, you know, and, and I think like you mentioned, uh, Julie Joran having that great set where she screwed up. Like I, I, I think even a lot of rock bands are picking up on that. There's no, you don't see the posing you're used to. You don't see the the. It's just bands coming out and just being bands, energetic, trying to do, try, capture that energy. And in the end, that's all you really need. Is just that that mm-hmm. energy, like you you had your story of someone stopping a show. I remember watching Death Room Above and uh, playing a new song, and they they stopped it because the guy was like, "Oh, I can't remember what the lyrics is," and they went through it. He's like, "It's this, 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 right?" Like right in front of everybody at a festival, and they're like, "All right, from the top," and they just, I think everybody just appreciates that. Look, they're having fun, they're bringing the energy, and they're real. Like, yeah guess what we screw up and uh sometimes you got to stop and i think that's what lauren hill's saying here too it's basically look uh there there is this fantasy but here's the reality and then she just walked away yeah Uh, and for me one of the funniest parts of this that really show this because that which i could never in a hundred years imagine happening at a concert her her husband getting in her purse yes yes (laughs) I'm just thing. like I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> no, no, there, and then there, in that yeah. one. No, no, deep. Go in there. No, you know, fantastic. It's, it's but that it's like, how many conversations have you had like that with your wife? <laughs> and that's and that's it. It's completely real and honest. And it's and then it's that 
that that uh, mask of the rock star or this superstar is gone, right? I I love the fact that in Interlude One, when she says, um, "I had created this public persona, this public illusion," and then that's like one of the first sentences on this record yeah and then she spends the rest of the album destroying that illusion Uh, she's got that great quote early on in the in the set about reality do you have that written down oh the uh, fantasy fantasy is what people want but reality is what they need and i have just retired from the fantasy part yeah she could have ended it is with reality is what they need but she went all in she's like i just retired from the fantasy part it's like yeah absolutely like oh, that's it's a, it's a mic drop moment. Oh, right? that, that that could have been the end of the like she could have saved that for the end of the set. I could take out the music and just do a uh, a recording of all the interludes. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that's, that would be that's it would be like a TED talk. <laughs> yeah, like a philosophical, you know, spiritual TED talk, right? Yeah, there was so yeah, um, there was so much to unpack in some of those that it's uh, it was powerful, powerful stuff. Like I said, and it would have been amazing to be there, but you, you wouldn't have known what, what are you watching? What is going on? And it's just an artist pouring her heart out. That's all. Agreed. (laughs) And that's right before my, that's before my favorite track on the album too, which is Adam lives in theory, which I, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I kept coming back to that song. Some of them, you know, they don't even really have titles yet, you know? So if you have any suggestions, just, uh, You don't raise your head, cause so I just call I call him like a line in the song. You know this one um, we refer to as Adam lives in theory, and when I refer to Adam, I'm I'm really speaking about all of humanity. You know, without exception of anybody. You know, and I I know that um, a lot of the content in the songs is very heavy. You know, but uh, see, fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. And I've just retired from the fantasy part because I realized that I
The other thing is, it, and we've talked about this before, I know we talked about when we interviewed DJSB, and um, that idea that, that hip-hop music and, and folk, and here is like that perfect melding, because it is a folk album. Yeah. Like, it almost sounds like a folk album. Like, this could have fit perfectly in with, like, you know, uh, being heard in, like, a coffee house in 19... 19- you know, 68 somewhere in New York. Um, that's why I like, like I say, I, I got a Tracy Chapman vibe from mm-hmm. it. That's, you know, that's her style. Also, uh, Richie Havens popped into my head yes. a couple of times yep. while listening to that. Just maybe some of the faster, a couple of the faster, uh, strummings she was doing had a Richie Havens vibe. So, but again, it, getting into that sort of slam poetry oh, almost yeah. with, with some of that stuff. Yeah. But it really is this beautiful melding of, of hip hop and folk singer um, that that is so cool. But I kept coming back to, man, uh, and this is where I, I saw the Shad connection. Because if you think back to Shad's very first record, right. uh, he's playing acoustic guitar on it. Uh, and if you think of someone like Common on his first record, it's there there's that acoustic vibe that he's got going on and then you it's funny now to look back and you saw a little bit of that in say like arrested developments but where is that sound like i keep thinking there's got to be a genre out there that i'm missing where that folky is kind of coming to play with hip hop uh flow that she does here, but I don't. I, I'm kind of questioning. Yeah. How is this not a a, a thing. huge? I see. I get thing it. that everyone's listening to. Yeah, right now because I get it. It like, works on. That's when this album shines. Is when she gets into that flow and she's doing that over the music. And I just, I'm, I'm thinking, and how no, is this not? How is someone not in the top forty doing this right now? And there's no like, there's no beats. There's no yeah. like, weird flute. You know, they always love the flute. Yeah. Hip hop loves the flute. Uh, you know, just, there's no hip hop yep. trappings. There's no, there's no, uh, it, it's, ju- it's just not, it's like a folk song with a, a hip hop delivery. And yeah, yeah. you know, I, I get what you mean. It's just like, how is this not a genre now? Mm-hmm. Some 20 years later, someone's not picked up on this and, and made that like, how are we not here being inundated with this now? Right. You've had a couple yeah. artists dabble in it. But, uh, yeah, but there's no, like, oh, there's hip-hop folk. There, I just started yeah. it. <laughs> I, so there's a couple other things here. I, I think it's really interesting when an album is released, and we've talked about critics and how they deal with things in the yeah. past. This is one where I'm not going to attack the critic, because I absolutely understand what it was about why the critics didn't like this. I mean... You and I have talked before about musicians who maybe take themselves too seriously. And I think that comes that like, she is very serious on this record and yet she's fun. And yet well, that's it. she's not, she's messing up. So I absolutely understand why critics didn't like it. I think it's really interesting that when they also Googled this and, and did some research, it's amazing now how many people are rediscovering it and like really now coming to its defense. Um, Kathy uh, Lindoli at Revolt said, perhaps Lauren Hill's follow-up wasn't the sophomore effort we wanted, but subconsciously needed. 15 years later, it's plain to see we simply just weren't ready for it.
moving down the streams of my lifetime Pools of fascination in my sleep Cooling off the fire of my longing Warming up my cold within his heat Bouncing down the walls of inhibition Evaporating all of my fears Baptizing me into complete submission Dissolving my condition with his tears It's just like the water Senses he's prevailing, floating through the space of my design, drowning me if I my inside sailing, drinking in the mainstream of his mind, filling up the cup of my emotions, spilling over into all I do. Get lost in his ocean, surviving on the thought of loving you. It's just like the water.
But this idea too that we we destroy the things we love, right? Sure. Like here we are is like, you know, this is a woman who walked away and by all accounts has at times not been well. Um like but yet we as the audience, you know, I'm not saying you and I, but we as a general audience, we play a part in that, right? Like you talked about Motley Crew earlier. We I mean we played a part because we demanded that we wanted that, right? We wanted more and more danger. We wanted more and more. So artists felt they had to do that. Right. And if you think about someone that, you know, I think I talked about this on, um, uh, when we did the Beck episode and, and the blog, I wrote about breakup albums. We want to see the pain that, uh, that an artist can elicit. Um, and we want it to be as real as humanly possible. And I think that's why breakup albums are so popular. But this is like a breakup album with her fans. This is like yeah. a breakup album with the industry. And that is, you know, and again, knowing that she walked away. You know, I, I know fans who are friends of mine and acquaintances of mine who are fans of the Fugees. And just prior to Shad picking this record, the Fugees announced they were doing a reunion tour. And I said, hey, did you hear? And... Honestly, three of the responses I got were, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, that's, I wonder how Lauren's going to do. Like, there was like this concern for her because she stepped out of that public eye for so long. So I can't, you know, it's, it's, that's intriguing to me. It's just how we, how we as a, how we as fans will do that, right? We, we love these people, but we play a part in their, in their demise. Real downer there at the end, man. Sorry. sorry <laughs> well, both of us. Uh, but yeah, I think we both can kind of agree we have a lot of respect for this record. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go back to my statement too. This this record's rock and roll. Yeah. You know, like this is. You know, uh, I may not like the music as much, but the message is solid, rock and roll, and yeah, it's like a big mic drop. See you later. And it makes sense that it comes from Shad then because he's always about the message. Yeah. So let's bring him into this conversation. Yeah. Um, and for, first off, so I will say I was not able to make the interview you with, with Shad. Just, yeah, sadly. So Sad. ladies and gentlemen, Tom had to handle the load himself. <laughs> uh, 
did a masterful job. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, it was it was a bit weird to hold the whole the whole thing uh, down, but um, but uh, we someone like Shad's down. someone like Shad's status, you know, you 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 have to book that time, and you're held to that time. So, yeah, it just the timing just wasn't right, unfortunately for me. And uh, Thomas was able to to pull it out. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. So we were happy to have him. It, it, was, a, it was a while coming. We've been working on uh, getting Shad uh, for a long time now. Uh, so for those of you who you know might not be familiar, uh, Shad used to be known as Shad K on his first album when it came out way back in uh, is probably you know one of our most renowned. Uh, Canadian hip hop talents, uh, been nominated several times for the Polaris Prize. Uh, he's had uh, his most recent album, Tao, uh, just came out and um, is sort of a real interesting look at uh, modern society, its pitfalls, uh, and a lot about like the sort of technological dependence of our society. Uh, but yet again, uh, masterfully messaged, which is always Shad's kind of forte. Uh, and uh, so definitely go out and grab that new record. Uh, Shad, thanks for joining us here on... Um, uh, oh, I guess I'm not going to make it look like it's live. So, uh, and here we go. This is my my interview uh, with, uh, with Shad uh, talking about uh, MTV Unplugged 2.0 with uh, Miss Lauren Hill. Hello, hello. Hey, Shad, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you? Good, good. Congrats on the uh, congrats on the new record. Thanks very much. Yeah, you must be feeling pretty excited, eh? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I feel good. Even in these strange times, it's it's still it's still just as fun to put stuff out. So you're an artist who's always like owned your love of a variety of music. Like I'm thinking of something like the Your Boy Tony Braxton uh, record yeah. you put out and some other stuff. Uh, other than the album we're talking about today, in your what now 15 year career making albums yep what what other artists have shaped your sound oh wow um it's it's hard to answer your question as you put it there because there's a difference between you know who i love and who's inspired me and who's actually shaped my sound you know mm. um because there's so much music that i that i love but you wouldn't you would never guess it from listening to my music right it hasn't affected right. really my sound but um in terms of what i do for the most part um i would say hmm, who would i say black uh black thought common common's probably the one you could pick up on the most i think in my in my style common big influence you could probably pick up on uh kanye you could probably pick up on Black Thought, De La Soul. I think those have all left a, an imprint someone could probably recognize. Yeah. And then, uh, and then there's other influences that have, you know, that are there too, um, but uh, maybe a little bit more subtle. Well, yeah, and I, I certainly think of the first two records, there was a lot, like, you were really hearing common on those first couple of records, right? And mm -hmm. you, were, you were also sort of, like, had that thing in common of playing the acoustic guitar and yeah. and doing you know rap with that right which is not something we saw every day but saw from people like yourself in common yep and certainly i think the the sense of humor that you hear in dilla soul 
comes, yeah. some comes across in you, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, maybe a, maybe a bit of Eminem with that too. You know, he was definitely one of the first guys that I heard um, rap in this very technical way, but still put a lot of humor and uh, mm-hmm. and personality into it. That was uh, the way he did it in such a sophisticated way from a technical standpoint that that definitely left a mark too and then there, there would maybe be some underground guys too that uh people might not know not household names like a sage francis or saul williams like early 2000s underground that you'd maybe hear a little bit in my style um but also just they inspired me to do it because that was the era where it just seemed possible like coming from london ontario to participate in the music industry that was not something i imagined was possible until i started to see the underground scene of the early 2000s and realizing oh you you don't have to actually even be a part of the larger music industry you can kind of just um make stuff and put it out and and get on the road a, you know quite a bit on your own so they're they're an influence i think that shows up to that whole era Work. 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 Looking for a job, man. Looking for a job, man. They say that even Steve Jobs can't find a machine that I could be a cog. This is a problem. I'm trying to leave it in God's hands. God's plan. But even God's fan was literally out on a limb. Maybe I'll sleep when I'm deceased. Maybe it'll cease when I'm asleep. Maybe I should keep what I can keep. Talk is cheap. I should know. Giving that a rap for what I eat. Everyone knows I could eat they food, but I need insurance from my cheek. I need versatile, personal, income streams is purposeful. Suckers work for money. You should make your money work for you. I can't get no work, though. Guess that means that I got some work to do. The poor can't afford to look poor, so I got to make sure the shoes and shirt is new. Because I'm looking for a job, man. They say that even see jobs can't find a machine that I could be a cop. This is a problem. Everybody knows it. Nobody is talking. Somebody told me stop in the shop and talk to the boss. Just on the off chance. Looking for a job, man. Looking for a job, man. I would do anything. I'll get it popping. I need a hot dance. Popping. I need a pop chance. I need some robbing. Don't need no offhand comments. I need some rest on some sauce. I'm not a man. I am a workhorse. I'm a part of the workforce. I'm just not sure the person or purpose I work for. Maybe this voice inside it keeps telling me work more, hurt more, perform. Give up my wife and my firstborn. I'm not a man, not till I manage my estate. I am the output I create after the info I intake. What if I'm fake? What if I break? What if my model's obsolete and gets tossed in a heap and gets washed in the sheets? Wanna walk on the beach and take off for a week when I'm jobs?
for today, though, we're looking at what, for me, it was a bit of a surprising record. Uh, yeah. And for my partner, it was, too. Um, Lauren, Miss Lauren Hill's 2002 album, uh, the MTV Unplugged record. And when we're talking yeah. about Lauren Hill, we, we obviously think of her uh, iconic album. Um, and yet you picked an album that's a little, maybe off the radar for people. Um, how has that totally. influenced Tower or, uh, or, or any of your other stuff? Yeah, well, totally. I mean, in the spirit of geeking out about music. <laughs> that's that's uh, our spirit. I, you know, I thought long and hard about what album to pick to talk about what album would have a lot to talk about and what album is maybe a little bit overlooked and i thought about this lauren hill unplugged album because it's it's influential it's influential uh it was influential on me in terms of uh well a couple things one the lyrics are are pretty like genius level on a lot of the songs but more than that the astounding fact of that album like as you said her first solo album her only proper studio album right won five grammys it was you know on her debut a fully world conquering album oh absolutely and then before that was the fuji's album the score that sold i don't know how many millions of copies and it's it's probably one of the 10 or 20 highest selling albums ever, you know, another world conquering album. And then she follows up those massive successes with this unplugged performance where she's playing an instrument that she's just kind of learning. And she's singing in a voice that is strained because she had to stay up all night as a new mom. And the songs are not entirely finished. And the performances are super vulnerable. There's one song where she breaks down in tears mm -hmm. at the end of it. And in between the songs, she's uh, very vulnerably unpacking everything she's thinking about in her own life, in the music industry, and all this stuff. So to me, like, that album is so astounding. Just the fact of its existence you know you'd never see someone do that now no absolutely uh, not or I, I i i've never heard of anybody doing anything like that that's at that level it's 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 really the equivalent of um i'm trying to think of who beyonce's next album yeah or something being a stripped down acoustic album where her voice isn't quite up to snuff that day and you know what i mean it's oh we like live in an auto-tuned world right like the idea of a record yeah. company allowing something like that to come out now is that shocking like i couldn't imagine it, it coming out today exactly exactly um so that's one thing i just i wanted to talk about nerd out about but it's also just like i i, I think that's an influence i carry with me to this day just the courage she had to do that that imprinted on me in a major way. Like that made me go, okay, that's, that's the level some people go to in terms of vulnerability and in terms of putting themselves into their music. I don't think I've ever approached that, but it's still something I, uh, I admire and kind of strive and kind of strive for, you know, the, that realness and, um, you know, I also want to talk about because 
it's low-key influential on a lot of people. I've heard John Legend talk about that album and say that it's the best album lyrically he's ever heard. Uh, Kanye obviously has sampled um, from that album and was and was very influenced by that album. So it's one of these ones that flew under the radar, but to me is just an amazing. It's amazing music, but it's also just an amazing thing that happened in music once, you know. Yeah, and, and you mentioned we we end up sort of sliding into this on a bunch of our interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But it's something the industry never seems to really talk about all that much. But I think you're you're talking about it here, that idea of authenticity with an artist, right? That is so hard to grasp at now, especially in yeah. the social media dominated world where it's all about the image of the artist. And you've always owned that uh, authenticity. I mean, I, I think of uh, I, I think of some of the stuff that you when you're rapping about, you know, you know college and danforth on uh, on records or you're or you're you know strip down a song in the middle and make a joke of the fact that you can't afford the beat uh like there's an authenticness to you that i know i appreciate and i'm sure other uh, and your fans do that i guess that's that direct correlation to to yeah 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 i appreciate that and absolutely you know she her and that album is kind of my north star in terms of that stuff in terms of authenticity um you know ab- absolutely like that 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 imprinted on me and we're in an era i mean it was an ama- it was amazing back then but we're in an era now where that is impossible you know yeah. i don't know if anybody could ever do something that raw when the stakes are that high ever again um yeah. you know Kanye on the Katrina telethon is probably our closest moment to that, you know, since where Mm. the stakes are that high and and he's being that, and he's being that real. So, um, yeah, so there's definitely a, a relationship, a relationship there. And, and yeah, and even the feeling of it, how raw it feels. I think my music, I always joke sometimes, like I can't make a, I can't make a clean sounding record if I tried. There's just something about me. It's always going to feel a little dusty. And that album also definitely is, is dusty and, um, and is all about the ideas. I think that also imprinted on me with her also with um, Spike Jones, his music videos. Yeah. That was a big influence on me in terms <clears throat> of how, uh, you know, sometimes they would be high budget, and a lot other times is just super low budget and just all about the idea. Yeah, Fat Boy and, Slim, uh, right? Perfect example. Fat, Fat Boy Slim, perfect example. Or um, Undone the Sweater Song, the Weezer yeah. uh, video. All just just about the idea. And those songs on Lauren Hill's Unplugged, also, they're just stripped down to the ideas. And uh, I think I've also always been in that vein a little bit. You know, the um, the the strength of my music is kind of in the ideas. And uh, as far as execution, I, I try my best and I pull off what I can, but, but it's, it, it's, it's mostly uh, about what I'm, what I'm trying to say and how I'm trying to say it. You know, you had mentioned like they couldn't make this album today because of the, you know, that the elements of like 
I mean, these massive ta- spoken word parts that go on and on at points uh, that critics at the time kind of referred to as a bit self-indulgent. Um, songs, like you said, where her, her voice is raspy. Yeah. Um, but there's also, like, I just, I was saying to Dave when we were doing the pre-recording of this that we also live in a time in the last 15 years where religion has been is almost like a, a bad word. And there's points to this record where it's almost sounds like a gospel record. And I wonder if even yeah. that today would not fly with record execs who would say, you know, we risk alienating uh, an element of our fan base or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very brave album in that respect. And, and I think influential on, on me too, because the way she talks about spirituality, it's a bit foggy in my mind, to be to be honest. I haven't listened mm-hmm. to it in a while. But, you know, the way she's talking about spirituality is totally, to me, in a way that belongs in the mainstream because she's talking about it as it relates to life, as it relates to society, as it relates to um, her own sense of wholeness and freedom. You know, and and it's conversations that uh, that people that people want to have. So, like like you said, we're in a place right now. We're in a time right now in North American society where, like, yeah, religion is certainly taboo, and uh, and more than that, we're seeing you know, and we've seen, especially with um, with with Trump and so much in America, we've seen the real dangers of. Uh, of organized religion in many ways. But on the other hand, also what's happening in North American society right now, I feel like is an increase in interest in conversation around things like meditation, things like self-care thing. So there's also this real spiritual seeking that's going on, you know, people are trying to figure out how to be well and people are trying to figure out, um, how to heal the divides between people. So, um, so it's a funny kind of paradox, you know, and uh, Lauren Hill on that album found a way to, to talk about the spiritual side of all these things um, in a way that at least to me isn't alienating as much as it is, uh, you know, important an important piece of the conversation that, you know, that we're trying to have. So yeah, influential in that way on, on me too. And, and again, just also amazing, you know, just not something you hear. You you didn't hear it then and you haven't heard it since. Yeah. And yeah, and well, and, and you touch on that a little bit on your record, on your new record too, with, with, with the single or with the song God, right. Where you're, mm-hmm. you're connecting with that, your own, that own spirituality as well. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it, yeah, 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 totally. Go no, ahead. No, you go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, totally. You know, in that song, um, I'm talking about spirituality and even religion in the verses, but the in between, I have my parents talking about humanity mm-hmm. and what it means to be a human. Because by the way, can I just say it's so nice to hear your mom back on a record? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I got. A, I had to feature her again on something. Um, even though she always outshines me on my own album, it's great. Um, no, it was, it was really cool to get her to, and, and my dad a little bit too, to just talk about what it means to be human. And I liked putting those two things side by side because ultimately that's what it is. You know, there's, um, 
there's this sense that religion is is looking away from life looking up into the skies and it takes you out of life um and uh i've always been of the opinion that spirituality should bring you closer to life closer to humanity closer to yourself and closer to other people and so i like juxtaposing those two things uh on that song um and yeah you could probably draw a straight line to lauren hill with with a song like that for sure well and there's that's what i always love about your records too there's all there's always those lovely lines i i get to draw where i kind of connect things for myself i mean on on this record when i uh when i heard something like slot machines uh i i immediately started to go to like the sort of similar themes that uh, Cadence Weapon talks about on, on his latest release, his latest Polaris winning release, right? There's, uh, yes. there's uh, some nice little connections there that I thought, wow, here we have the, you know, two, you know, stars of Canadian hip hop, both looking at this idea of, you know, the role of technology in our modern society, uh, which, is, which is nice. And then also to see like that direct line uh, with like Black Excellence, where you have that, that fantastic line of freedom is uh, the freedom to just be average, which I thought was fantastic. And I, of course, whenever I hear that, that term black excellence, yeah. I go back to Nina Simone. Uh, so I always love the fact that you're, you're for able for me yeah. to draw those, those lines perfectly. And is that a conscious cool. decision on your part? Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, um, I like, I like music that has roots. You know, I grew up on, um, you know, like I said, Common, Lauren Hill, Outcast, A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, which is all music that even when I was too young to understand what was happening with sampling and stuff, it was music that was grounded in tradition. You know, and I could sense that as a kid, even though I had no idea what they were doing. I didn't know how stuff got sampled. I didn't know that they were sampling. I didn't know that uh, there, you know, Nas is sampling a Maj Jamal's jazz, you know, I, I had no idea, but I liked the feeling of it. I liked the feeling of music that's connected to a tradition, to a culture. So I try to do that um, with my music consciously, you know, um, Fam Jam, a song from an album called Flying Colors, that song, for example, samples a song that I grew up with, a West African song that, you know, I grew up with around my household. And and the sample relates to the themes also in the song. So I, I, lo I love that. You know, to me, hip hop taught me that, you know, about referencing and connecting in, in playful ways. That's DJing. Yeah. I'm not a DJ myself, but I'm a huge fan of DJ culture. And hip hop came from DJ culture. And DJing is all about connecting music. And, um, and and so yeah, I'm I, I'm a I'm a fan of that. I come from that, and I try to do that uh, consciously. And it, sometimes it happens unconsciously, but I try to do it consciously too in my music. So you mentioned Dilla Soul, who of course are like masters of that that remixing culture, right? If you think of like uh, the the early albums and the amount of sampling on that, right? Uh, we had DJ uh, DJ SB on our, our podcast a while ago. They were mentioning to us that the idea that they now have to kind of come up with that basic beat or come up with a beat now because they're unable to go back and grab those anymore. And like you said, like hearing you talk about it, it's this connection to your musical past that you're trying to bring forward into your music. 
and now it's like it's illegal you can't you can't yeah. do that now so does that take something away from that feeling of hip-hop when we can't make that connection as clear as it as it was back in the day i absolutely think so i think it's sad i think it's a loss and i think it's a fundamentally i think it's a misunderstanding of what sampling is sure sampling can be done in a way that's not artful and that is opportunistic and something more like stealing but also sampling is um it's also just um a new instrument it's a new instrument you know the the technology right now um there's technology right now that exists that allows you to take any sound and play it like an instrument you don't pay a royalty to the guy who invented the piano when you strike a piano key you know sampling is an in is isn't it's 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 a new instrument you can't ban new instruments from music just because they were invented later just because you know the underlying technology looks different than the instruments that you used to playing it's it to me it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the thing is and it limits creativity it limits um the the connection that we're talking about the clarity of the connection to history that sampling allows um and it cuts hip-hop off uh, 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 cuts hip-hop off from some of its roots you know because hip-hop really is rooted in turntables in records and in sampling so um so for all those reasons i do think it's a loss of course music goes on and creativity goes on but um it's unfortunate to me because that's all just that's all just the music industry the business of music superimposed on the process of creativity um and it doesn't fit it's it's trying to put a circle into a square you know another way that i think about it too is in western music songwriting is melody and lyrics but in hip hop and in so many forms of music it's rhythm that's the foundation you know hip hop is based on the rhythms of James Brown and incredible bongo band and all these other things if anything that's what should have been copyright protected right but but you know again it's that's just the business and a certain cultural lens applied to hip hop that you know so yeah i think it's a loss i think life goes on creativity goes on but um but it's a loss and i hope i hope that that changes at a certain point i hope that it becomes understood that uh there's nothing new under the sun especially with music you know there's there's 12 tones in the scale there's um it is what it is man and and what's different what's new um what's not plagiarism is what what an artist brings to it yeah uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen the documentary Rip about uh, girl mm. talk and sampling, uh, but Greg Gillis essentially says very similar things in that about, you mm. know, I, I can chop up a song, put it all together, and you have no idea I've chopped up uh, Elvis Costello, but I have, yeah. right? And it's no longer Elvis Costello, right? But yes. Uh, but again, saying the same thing, music is 12 notes and, or yeah, it is, right? Yeah, and the, you know, it's, and it's gotten, it's gotten even, 
crazier lately, like that that blurred lines case where the judge determined that uh I mean basically you can you can copyright feel. Yeah. Cause because uh Pharrell and Robin Thick were were emulating the feel of this Marvin Gaye song. They're like, Yeah, you can't copy feel. It's like you can't copy feel. Like I, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, right. So uh yeah, it's gotten it's gotten pretty extreme. And of course there was like the classic uh George Harrison case where they determined that he had unconsciously copied something. And that set a very strange precedent that, you know, is still out there today. Um there's people that get uh that get royalties because somebody may or may not have unconsciously absorbed something. It's uh it's it's pretty wild. It's it's pretty wild. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, that's that's my thing is that these are new technologies, and it's technology that pushes the music forward. And any instrument is a for, is a technology, and some technologies are also just just instruments. This is what's pushing music forward. New sounds. You know, pop music's not going to have new chord progressions. Might not even have new melodies. You know, but it is going to have new sounds. And that's what we have to, that's how we're going to push it forward is by creating new sounds and you create new sounds from old sounds. Um, so anyhow, yeah. Uh, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But yeah. That's that, you know, that's my sense. Um, that's my sense of that. Well, I, I don't want to be cognizant of your time because I know we only have a short period of time here, but uh, I do yeah, have... all, all good. All good. Feel free. If you want to go over a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. What's your favorite song on the Lauren record? Mm. The one that stands out to me is Peace of Mind, that long one. I think it's at the end of one of the sides. Uh, it's like nine minutes long, and she is crying at the end of it. And uh, it's just powerful. I used to listen to that a lot. It's a beautiful song. It's extremely raw and vulnerable. I, I don't think she wrote an ending to it. You know, it starts to go into this kind of gospel refrain and she's crying. And it's just like, talk about, <clears throat> you talk about the power of live music. Uh, I just can't imagine being in the audience that day and just watching this woman who just won five Grammys. Yeah. do that you know so that's a standout and then there's another one uh mystery of iniquity where she just goes into this crazy rap breaking down like the judicial system and it's just like lauren hill what a beast what a monster children eat your bread little children eat your bread because it all Handle the truth in a courtroom of lies. Purges the jurors, witnesses, spies. Crooked lawyers, false indictments, publicizes. Entertainment, the arraignments, the subpoenas. High profile gladiators in bloodthirsty arenas. Into the dragon, black robe, crooked balance. Souls bought and sold and paroled for 30 talents. Court reporter, catch the circus on the paper. 
defiling in the system, not acknowledged by the maker, swearing by the Bible, blatantly blasphemous, publicly perpetrating that in God we trust, cross-examined by a master manipulator, the faster intimidator, receiving the judge's favor, deceiving sabers, doing injury to their neighbors, for status, gratis apparatus, and legal waivers, see the bailiff, representing security, holding the word of God, soliciting perjury, the prosecution, political prostitution, the more money you pay, the further away solution, legal actors, Babylon's benefactors, masquerading as the agency for the clients, hypocritical giants, morally non-compliant, orally armed to do bodily harm, polluted, recruited, and suited, judicial charm, and the defense isn't making any sense, faking the confidence of escaping the consequence that a defendant is dependent on the system, totally void of judgment, purposely made to twist them, emotional victim, blackmailed by the henchmen, framed by intentions, inventions whereby they lynch men. Into the false witness, slandering the accused, planting the seed openly, showing he's being used to discredit, edit, headed for the alleged, smearing the individual, fearing the unsuspected, expert witness to paid authority, made a priority to deceive the majority of disinterested peers, dodging duty for years, hating the process, waiting to return to their careers. Do we expect a system made for the elect to possibly judge correct, properly serve and protect, materially corrupt, spiritually amok, oblivious to the cause, prosperously bankrupt, blindly in the blind, guilty, never defined, filthy as swine, a generation pure in its own mind, legal extortion, blown out of proportion, in vain deceit, the truth is obsolete. Only two positions, victimizer or victim, both end up in destruction, trusting this crooked system. Mafia with diplomas, keeping us in a coma, trying to own a piece of the American corona. The revolving door, insanity every floor, skyscraping, paper chasing, what are we working for? Empty traditions, reaching social position, teaching ambition to support the family superstition. When the son of perdition is commander-in-chief, the standard is thief. Brethren, can we candidly speak? Woe to the men, trusting in the chariots, them leaning on horses. They run their intellectual sources. Counterfeit wisdom, creating the illusion of freedom. Confusion consumes them. Every word they speak, it then turns them outwardly white. Internally, they absent the light. Them trapped in the night and bondage to the cane in the night. Under the curse, evil men waxing more worse. Facts in the first. Angelic being cast to the earth. It's time for rebirth. Burning up the branch and the root. The empty pursuits of every tree bearing the wrong fruit. Turn to me ill. Let him who stole no longer steal. Oh, it's real. Surrender for Jehovah is real. How long will you sleep? Troubled by the thoughts that you keep. The idols you heap. Causing the destruction you reap. Judgment has come. Find it and return to the one. Abandon the flesh. Self-interest. Broadway to death. Pride and the greed. Hiding. Subdividing the seed. The knowledge of good and evil is what caused us to lie. Caused us to die. Let your emotions be crucified. Renounce all your thoughts. Repent and let your mind be we taught you find what you sought was based on a deception you bought a perception of naught where the majority remains caught loving a lie not realizing an atom or die loving a lie not realizing an atom or die loving a lie not realizing an atom or die loving a lie not realizing an atom or die it's the mystery of iniquity that is the history of iniquity
as an I'm an English teacher by day, and I always talk about like when you're reading a when you're writing a book, a, a book can have a closed ending or an open ending. Uh, but it's interesting. Songs have a closed ending, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's yeah. like the seventies and they're fading out all the time. But you're right. Like, how often is it that we hear a song where it just seems unfinished, but it's almost perfect in being unfinished, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And what she's grasping for in some of the songs, you know, she's really trying to she's trying to express a grand theory of everything kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mystery of iniquity. It's like, wow, that's deep. You know, uh, rebel. I find it hard to say, you know, it's that's deep peace of mind. It's just deep. She's really trying to get, get to the core of it. And yes, yeah, some of the songs are, they're not finished there. You can hear it. They're not finished. You know, I would say since about 2007, we almost have a race, Lauren Hill from a lot of the conversation about hip hop, right? And females and hip hop. Yes. Uh, and that's when you go back and listen to those records and think, man, she was ahead of her time and, and saying stuff way ahead of her time. And yet we have focused so much on other female MCs and really kind of, and you know, one's got to think, you know, is that a, it, does that go back to, you know, you know, some of the legal battles she had at one point or, or what have you, but we just kind of, almost forgot about her right and uh, it's interesting now as i was googling this album to see how many people are kind of rediscovering it in publications saying we maybe didn't give this a fair shake back in the day and yeah it's intriguing now to see uh what about on your new record what's the what's the record you're really excited about hearing hearing people about about getting people to hear yes um there's a song called Storm that I really, I I really am happy with how it turned out. It was a bit of an experiment, and it worked out pretty close to how I imagined uh, or hoped that it would. So that's one I'm I'm excited about, and it feels like I don't come into the song till about two minutes in. It just it it's it's disorienting in the way that I like music to be disorienting, where you you're in the song you don't really know what's going to happen next and so uh so i'm 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 proud of that one uh black averageness is another one i'm really happy with it's it's comedic and it's and it's funny uh and fun in a way that um i just haven't been able to be in a song in a long time um but also you know it has a message and uh, and so i'm i'm really happy to share that one and out of touch too um, this is the first song on the album. It kind of sums up the album in a lot of ways. And so, uh, and, and also has like a very soulful, positive spirit to the song. And so, yeah, those are some, some, some songs I'm really happy to share off of this album. Uh, how, did it, how did it feel to go back to the humor again? Like, mm-hmm. I, and I don't mean that as a, to, but your last album I felt had a little more, uh, certainly have a serious tone to it throughout the album and a serious message. Yes. Did it feel, how did it feel to kind of slide some more of that humor back into, into your album? It felt great because I love to do it. Yeah. Um, and even when I was touring a short story about a war, it's like I did a lot of the new album, but I also w- did a lot of the back catalog too. And some of the stuff that has more humor in it. And it's like, I love doing that stuff live, you know? Mm. It's 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 closer to who I am as a person, and it's closer to who I am as a as a performer and entertainer. It's just that the that album 
that concept didn't allow me to do it right um, as right. much you know so so it felt really good to get to get back to it um because it's my instinct yeah yeah i know yeah. i've seen you at starlight and in toronto and in both both cases you're you're entertaining and you make us you make the audience laugh as you're there right which uh, yeah. I, and i agree with you i don't know how much that would have worked on the last record for sure um yeah so well and it's funny you said storm because you were sort of channeling your keith richards with that i hear you were dreaming you had a dream of it yeah. like keith richards did satisfaction is yeah. it uh, the same thing <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't know he heard that in a dream that's but it kind of <laughs> makes sense that makes sense once you say that because that riff and that chorus they um in satisfaction they're so intuitive or something it's like they always existed you know what i mean yeah so th there's something about that that makes sense um but yeah it started with a chorus that i heard in a dream and uh and in the dream people were dancing to the song in a record store like let's say 20 people in a little record store and they were dancing to it and uh i could tell it was like a song that they knew and really liked but it obviously wasn't like a hit song, but their little scene loved that song. That's, this is all, you know, what happened in, in my dream. And then, uh, and then I got together with um, Jane's party, a band in Toronto and, and they caught on to, they caught on to it pretty quick and started mapping it out. And uh, they're also steeped in kind of 60s, 70s stuff. So they could, they nailed the sounds and everything that I was, that I was imagining. Um, but yeah. And then from there, yeah, I was just chasing it, just chasing a feeling that dream because, because of course it's like, it has these environmental like overtones to it, but in my dream, I could tell it meant more than that. Like the, the, the meaning was a little bit more expansive, more layered, you know, it was about nature and the environment, but it was also about society and where we're at. And it's about, you know, feeling storms within yourself, you know? And uh, the way the song came together, it just ended up representing all those things. Phoenix's verse, she just freestyled that actually. I, oh, I asked really? her to... I, yeah, I, I asked her to record the chorus. I sang the chorus to her. She started, she sang it back on the recording and then the beat kept going and she just started freestyling. Wow, that's and perfect. Her, yeah, it was perfect because her verse, what she heard in the chorus was the personal side of it. You know, storms within your soul. And so she just freestyled this verse about that. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So now that layer is in the song. And then um, George Eliot Clark, the, the poet on the song, I kind of gave him the whole rundown I'm giving you about the dream and everything I heard and what the song meant. And he just wrote pages of poetry, just like, you know, just like that. Pages, pages and pages. And he, I asked him to record those. And I scattered those throughout the song. So it all just kind of fell into place. Um, but yeah, it started with, a, started with a dream, you know, started with... Um, a melody and a chord progression in that little bit of off meter. There's like a couple missing bars somewhere that, that gives it a little off feel um, that I think reinforces the meaning of the song too.
Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. This was terrific. And uh, I loved hearing, I love, I know you're such a great fan of music and I got that from all of your records and seeing you live. So it's, it was exciting. I was so excited awesome. to make this happen. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. I do have one personal question. Are we going to get a season five yeah. for evolution? So no plans yet. Um, I think, so where we left the series, it was like somewhere in the mid 2000s. So I don't think we could move forward with you know, yet because we don't have enough distance, I think, to be critical, to be accurate, to be kind of historical. But I do hope we can pick it up someday. I think we all hope we can pick it up someday. It's uh, really been... interesting to look at how the internet and different platforms on the internet changed hip hop. Yeah, it's been an amazing series. I think, uh, I think that would be uh, really cool. Yeah, it's been a great series. We really enjoyed it. And uh, my partner and I have both been talking about what an awesome series it is. And uh, and just to even see so, the subtle differences and changes that have happened in hip-hop is just, just amazing to see, right? So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a pleasure to to make that. And, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for having me on. Hey, no, thank like, you for joining you know, me, talking man. About, talking about albums is, is a lot of fun for me. You know, like, I, it was it was very hard for me to pick. Wadi on the track. Thanks to Wadi for letting us use his song In My Heart as our theme song. And thanks to Shad for joining us to uh, talk about Lauren Hill's uh, MTV Unplugged. And most importantly, thanks to you for listening to The Sound Effect. If you enjoyed our show, please share it on social media and let us know what you think of our show. And remember, there's always a great record out there just waiting to be discovered. So keep listening.